Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do. Like me, taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast where... We sometimes discuss Campbell fighting Dodo Birds and Leaky Black. Matt Norlander is here with me. He's at home in Connecticut. I'm in a hotel in New York City in town doing studio work for CBS Sports Network. If you're watching on YouTube, please smash the like button like your Brandon Davies. You have consent. And if you haven't yet subscribed to the YouTube channel, just go ahead and knock that out while you're here. Let's get into it. So the story Tuesday night, undeniably, was Kentucky. And not for good reasons. Three days after getting blasted, by 26 points at Alabama, Wildcats hosted a South Carolina team that was ranked 263rd in the net and coming off of a 43-point loss at Tennessee. So this was a, a get-right game if there ever was one, but it quickly turned into a get-more-wrong game for the Wildcats. Final score was South Carolina 71, Kentucky 68 in the same month in which Devin Downey got 30 points and led South Carolina to a an upset of Kentucky 13 years ago. Michi Johnson got 26 points and led South Carolina to an upset of Kentucky inside Rupp Arena. So shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Michi Johnson. Dead leg. Mm. Kentucky just lost at home as a 20-point favorite to a first-year coach with a team that had previously lost to East Carolina and George Washington. So now the Wildcats are 10-6 and six overall, 1-3 and three in the SEC, still zero quad one wins. Now they got a quad four loss. More quad four losses than quad one wins. That ain't good. If the NCAA tournament started today, Kentucky would not be in it, despite starting the season ranked first at Ken Palm. A fan was holding a sign inside Rupp Arena on Tuesday night that read, please go to Texas. That was directed to John Calipari. Is this clearly the low point for Cal at UK? Oh, yeah. Um, it is. We have to start on Kentucky and Cal. Uh, Michigan State fans, we're getting to you. I had, I had like, I didn't realize how much I'd apparently promised this on the Sunday show, GP, but I had a, I had a solid contingent of Michigan State fans being, ah, you said, no, no, no. Kentucky's bigger news. We will get to Sparty. You got a good team. We're going to get to you. But this is the biggest thing because it is. Uh, this is the lowest point. I think it's the lowest point for Cal as a coach, period. Even going when he was in the NBA, because yeah, you had the loss to Evansville as the number one ranked team early in the season. That was an embarrassing loss, certainly a historic loss. You had the 9-16 and 16 COVID year. Sure, uh, <laughs> extremely dispiriting. Straight up bizarre to see a Kentucky team be that bad 
yes, that team was worse than this team, uh, but it really sets the table for this season, uh, which was accelerated in terms of anxiety after losing to 15th seeded St. Peter's last March. When you consider the temperature in that area going into what should have been a gimme home game and then losing it, actually like shaving the margin down to three points, you may or may not realize this, but going into Tuesday night, the South Carolina, there were, let's see, where there are 10, 20, 31 games in Division One basketball on Tuesday night. And according to Ken Palm, the least exciting thrill score, which Trish tries to project how good the game will be, how competitive it will be, how the good t- the teams are involved, and how likely it is to be a close game, right? There are 31 games going into Tuesday. The bottom on that list was Kentucky hosting South Carolina because one, South Carolina is not a good team. And two, in theory, Kentucky should win relatively comfortably. It was, you know, a 16, 17, 18 point favorite, depending on where you got that line or what the predictive metrics showed uh, going in. And instead, Kentucky loses by three and trails the entire game, was down big early and couldn't get it together. And we have hit a new low. Oh, by the way, Kentucky has to turn around and play at Tennessee on Saturday. That, that'll be fun. By I'm, far defensively in college basketball. Kentucky. I'm sure that I'm sure that'll be fun. Ay, ay, ay. So yeah, there's it's 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 reaching it has reached a point of complete. To, to borrow the word from our colleague, John Rossi, it's brutality right now. It really is. And for the fan and someone locally caught up with the reporter, I don't have that tweet up in front of me. Apologies for that. But apparently they went up to this fan and said, you know, we need you to, to, to put the sign down um, to which I guess he initially did. But then someone else came over again and said, we're actually going to take the sign. He said, no, I'm going to leave before you take the sign. I wouldn't let him take the sign. And then they tried to take it again, I guess, as he was leaving on his own accord. And he's like, you're not getting you're not getting my damn sign. Uh, and it's not, again, to the Georgetown point, when Kentucky is being compared to Georgetown this way and, and you're this thin skinned, it's an absolutely atrocious look. Uh, if there's nothing uh, offensive about a sign, if it's simply expressing a valid opinion in two, three or four words, and there's truly nothing vulgar or discriminatory or inappropriate about the sign, you know, as long as you're not blocking the view of anyone behind you, which, by the way, it didn't appear he was because Rupp Arena. Oh, by the way, yeah. I looked at I'm going to guess 40 percent capacity. I mean, how damning is this overall, man? It just a, a horrendous night. Someone interrupted Calipari's postgame radio situation and how that goes. If you saw the video on social media, he hops on local radio for, you know, five, ten minutes and he's doing it with uh, Tom Leach, the local radio guy there. But there are. You know, fans, he's doing it in front of the stands. So they hear him live as he's also talking to people leaving the arena in their cars around the area and all that stuff. And someone basically interrupted him uh, mid sentence and said, You got to, you got to tamper down expectations. You need to stop doing this. And Cal handled it well and said, I'm just, I'm not going to do that. But he, he completely understands. But he's also got to stop deflecting here. And I know he's doing it to protect his players, but he also said in the post game presser where he's like, Get mad at me. Don't get mad at the players. They're mostly mad at you, Cal. Yeah, yeah. They're one step ahead of you. But they're, they're, they're really they're, pissed off at you. Like, they're really yeah. pissed off. In fact, I think Nada's got a poll up right now if you're watching about if you believe 
Kentucky and Calipari should just split this year. I'll repeat it one more time in case you're checking in on this pod and didn't catch Sundays or haven't catched a few recent ones. Just as a reminder, what complicates this isn't just the lifetime contract, obviously, GP, but it is having not just the number one recruiting class, but uh, there's there's a belief that the class coming in next year, headlined by DJ Wagner, could amount to uh, a top three or four class from a talent perspective that Calipari's ever had. So with that will come, obviously, great expectations, but conceivably maybe a top 10 preseason ranking. I'm going to tell you right now, GP, if Cal is still there, I'm going to fight against that. <laughs> no matter how good they are, maybe they can get there. I just don't know if he deserves the benefit of the doubt there. So yes, um, I'm not thrilled about starting another podcast talking about Kentucky, but this is a story. This is a major story. Kentucky has gone from preseason number one at Ken Palm, preseason top five team, unranked, doesn't have a tournament resume. I said it on HQ this morning, this team would not be in the field, doesn't deserve to be in the field. My last thing for you is this. Since December 17th at BartTorvik.com, go ahead and adjust, take out the preseason bias. 184th best team in college basketball <laughs> in the past three plus weeks. One, eight, four, one, eight, four. One eight four for Kentucky, can't have it, and now they got to go play on the road against the best defensive team in the country at Tennessee on Saturday. Doesn't look good. It does not. We should point out um, Jacob Toppin did not play shoulder issue. Casey Wallace only played eight minutes. Uh, John said after the game that he was dealing with back spasms, uh, which by the way ain't great because they expanded on that, and I believe Kentucky Sports Radio reported that. You know, Casey Wallace has been dealing with back spasms forever and like actually sits with a brace on his back on the bench. Like if, if you're an NBA general manager, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to hear that. Nope. So that's uh, that's not great. Either way, UK was without two of its top four scores for most of the game. That matters. But still, you can't lose as a 20 point favorite at home to a team ranked 263rd in the net. South Carolina entered last night's game. 251st in adjusted offensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm, and then shot nearly 50% from the field against Kentucky. They're 11 of 20 from three. That's 55%. So it was just an abysmal performance, especially on the defensive end. And then, you know, in the final minute, you get Severe Wheeler just throwing the ball to the wrong team. Like, you know, you can't can't do that. And and. Then afterward, you, you hear the quotes coming from the locker room. Oscar Shibway reportedly said he told Cal to put in walk-ons if the walk-ons will fight. Man, so that suggests like there's some. And and Cal said, uh, you know, in his post game, you know, that we're just not in sync. So what it suggests to me is like, yeah, they got basketball problems, but they got locker room problems too, chemistry problems on some level. Like these guys are not on the same page not pulling in the same direction. And when you hear the reigning national player of the year say that he told his coach, surround me with walk-ons if they'll fight with me. That is, that's not something that gets fixed overnight. And it's especially not something that gets fixed when you're headed to Thompson Bowling Arena. Like, whoo, you might be shorthanded, abysmal, and about to play one of the best teams in the country on the road in a packed arena. And, you know, the, the arguably, in, in according to some numbers, the, the best defensive team in the country. So this is probably going to get worse before it gets better. And at this point, I'm not certain it's going to get better. Yesterday, coincidentally, 
the urging of Marcus Nelson, we did a dribble handoff where we were asked, like, how's the rest of this Kentucky season going to play out? Didn't didn't, uh, didn't really want you to bring this one up, Parrish. But yeah, yeah. I wish I wish this is the problem with doing the dribble handoff on Tuesdays. <laughs> we got to do them on Wednesdays. <laughs> you got we should have had this game behind us before we started trying to do a dribble handoff. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Because we all, you know. We all said, yeah, we still think Kentucky's going to get to the NCAA tournament. And that was, you just sort of assume the, <laughs> the you're going to get a quad four win here as far as, as opposed to a quad four loss. Now, I don't think, I like, I would bet against Kentucky now. I, I really do think last night changed it. Like, if we all had to do that again, would any mm-hmm. of us project Kentucky to make the NCAA tournament? I wouldn't. I had him as a nine seed uh, 24 hours ago. <laughs> If you made me do it again, oh my God. I mean, we're basically answering the question here. Uh, send them to Dayton. I, I, they still got the reigning national player there. And Sheepway played, Sheepway played well. The weird thing is, Kentucky actually played well offensively last night, Parrish. Like they, it was just the defense was brutal. Just brutal. I mean, Michi Johnson was, was outraged. And South Carolina made what? 11 three pointers? Went 11 of 20 from beyond the arc. Outscore Kentucky 33 to 9 in three point shooting. So, despite the fact that Kentucky didn't shoot for three as well, it actually did play well for the most part. Um, so, I'd, I'd have them in Dayton. You'd have them out. Would you agree with the poll? Not as texting me live here. He's saying right now 60%, 62% of our viewers watching the live stream are saying that Kentucky and Calipari should split at the end of the season, regardless of the fact that he's got the number one recruiting class coming in. Um, uh, let's say that your prediction is right right now. Kentucky doesn't make the NCAA tournament. Would you agree with the majority of our live viewers that they should split? Should split. Sure. Uh, will split. I don't know how practical that is. Um, you, you, do you ever known a couple like a man and a woman or a man or man, woman, woman, doesn't matter, married. And they're just sort of stuck together. Like they don't want to be together anymore. They don't really like, they're not enjoying each other anymore, but for oftentimes financial reasons, they're just kind of stuck. They're ready to move on, but neither wants to give up the house or whatever else. Nobody wants to not live with the kids full time. So they just stay in this bad and miserable thing because there's no great way to get out of it. That's John Calipari in Kentucky right now. You know, Kentucky is over John Calipari, and I can't imagine John Calipari is too thrilled about, you know, being yelled at and uh, accosted and criticized to this degree. Like John's never been good at taking criticism. Just, just trust me when I tell you, dating back for as long as I've known him, he's never been good about criticism. You could say 40 positive things about him. And but if you come back with one negative, that the one negative is the one thing that he remembers. And now this entire state that used to adore him not too long ago, like they 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 I don't know what the right word is, but they're frustrated and over it. His words don't matter the way they used to matter obviously the product on the court is dreadful as i pointed out on i believe sunday's podcast tubby smith coached at kentucky for 10 years never missed the ncaa tournament and still got ran out of town to minnesota it got so ugly he was like yeah just give me the minnesota job i can't do this anymore john calipari is on the verge of maybe missing the ncaa tournament for the second time in a three-year span 
and for the third time in 14 years. So the temperature is hot right now. And if the question is, how do you resolve it? I don't know that there's a great answer. Like there are, are a lot of things you could explore. Like, could you pay him to take another job? My understanding is after the season, Kentucky still, according to the contract, owes him in excess of $40 million. Could you tell him, go get the best job you can get and we'll make you whole? So if you can go get a job making $4 million a year, we'll pay you $5 million a year over the life of the contract. Like, you know, go get, go, get a, go get a $20 million contract from somebody and we'll give you $22 million to go away. Or go get a $30 million contract from somebody and we'll give you $10 million to go away. You, you, could you pay him to take another job? That has happened before, by the way. Jamie Dixon had his buyout lowered at Pitt so he could take the TCU job. It's idiotic, but it happened. Memphis paid Josh Pastner to, to take the Georgia Tech job. And so you can, you, can, you can get creative like that. At this point, you know, I, I think he would take the Texas job if offered. I'm not sure Texas would offer the job to him at, at this point. Although if I were Cal or his people, I would be telling the folks in Austin, hey, I've got the number one recruiting class in the country with four top 10 prospects. I'll bring them. Hire me and I'll bring you the best recruiting class in the country. He could do that. So those are some possibilities, I guess. But I think the most likely scenario, and maybe even we'll look back a year from now and say the best scenario, the best thing that could have happened is you pay, instead of paying John Calipari tens of millions of dollars to go away, pay Oscar Shibway $3 million to come back and then surround him with these freshman studs and hope that it just clicks. You know, it's like that. It's not like John Kelly never won before with, with great prospects. So I think that is probably the most likely scenario that you just try to let him see if he can coach his way out of this. Um, and it'll be ugly until he does. And if he doesn't, it'll get uglier. Uh, but at this point, I don't, it, it, I don't see a, a realistic other possibility. Like if St. John's open, would he be willing to take the St. John's job, go back to New York city? I don't mean like, is, is, would he be an option at Georgetown just to, you know, parachute out? Mm. I don't know, but this thing is ugly right now. And there's no perfect way to, to make it pretty. South Carolina winning at Rupp was marked just the third time ever that program won at Kentucky just to give you an idea of how rare that is. And then Kentucky had the second longest win streak at home going in with 28. That got snapped in Zaga's just north of 70 right now. It's by far and away the best. So we, uh, we await what comes down the, down the pike here with Kentucky. But it is as bad as it has ever been. And it will be very intriguing to see how things develop. My guess is that he uh, he does not relinquish this. He will be coaching at Kentucky next season, even if this, this gets even worse. They don't make the tournament. There's more bad losses. Now, it'll get extremely volatile. Don't get me wrong. It will. But I, I think with everything he's got coming in and the amount that's owed on that buyout, uh, I think he gives this one more year to really give it a go because he's extremely competitive as well. And don't think that uh, even if he can't figure it out at the moment, he's not going to 
just grit his teeth, dig in, and try and go against the world. Not to say that he'll be successful. My guess is he's sticking around, and a year from now, he'll still be on the bench in Lexington. I agree with you. That's what I think the most likely scenario is. And, I th- and you touched on something important there. John is supposed, certainly was on track, to be like a legacy coach at Kentucky. The guy who retires, still lives in Lexington, shakes hands, shows up at the games, gets standing ovations, takes selfies with everybody. Like the way you see Roy walking around Carolina right now, John is in theory supposed to be that that guy at Kentucky because it can't be Rick Pitino and it's just not going to be Tubby Smith and obviously not Billy Gillespie. Like John Calipari is supposed to live out the rest of his life on some level doing that. And if you bounce now or get bounced now, that changes all of that. So I, I'm with you. I think the most likely scenario is do the best you could do this year. Whatever happens, happens. And then as soon as the season's over, wherever it is, you pivot to 2023-24 and do your best to get Oscar Sheepway back in school for another year and then surround him with like real awesome you know, five-star prospects and, and hope that it clicks the way it used to. And in the meantime, they got to go to Tennessee this weekend where they will almost certainly be a double-digit underdog which is just wild to think about. And it reminds me of one of my favorite sayings. I think I've mentioned this before. Oh, boy. You know, it's one of those simple things, but it... Don't get involved in a land war in Asia. There's that one. And then there's, you know, you never want to lose at home to South Carolina in between games at Alabama and Tennessee because that, that's how you end up with a three-game losing streak. I think that's how the saying goes. That old credo. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a little wordy, I admit, <laughs> but it's something people have been saying for years. Give the people what they want. Let's get on to Sparty. Michigan State won for the seventh straight time Tuesday night. It's a nice victory at Wisconsin. We're going to get into that next, but first, a word from our partners. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Greetings, Fantasy Warriors. I'm Heath Cummings, your guide to fantasy dominance on FFT Dynasty. Join me this offseason where mock drafts become epic showdowns and every pick shapes your legacy. If, if I was Adam, with the team that he's built, Will Levis makes so much more sense. And that's not all. We're peeling back the curtain on the future with our exclusive 2024 NFL Draft Prospect Profiles. Uncover hidden gems that'll elevate your roster to legendary status. Puka Nakua. After Cooper Cup, we really have no idea who's going to get the targets. Keaton Mitchell of East Carolina. Explosive speed is ridiculous. This isn't just a podcast. It's a playbook for champions. Subscribe to FFT Dynasty now, and together, we'll conquer the fantasy football frontier. Your dynasty journey starts here. A reminder, if you want, you can now email the show. Shouts to CBS at gmail.com. Shouts to CBS at gmail.com. We are loving the responses we've gotten, the emails, the correspondence, the questions. Continue sending them. You can send in a video if you'd like. 10 to 15 second video. Ask a question. Name, city, town, get out. We'll try and drop those in going forward on the show, on the YouTube channel. 
Continue to send us stuff. We love hearing from you. And thank you, as always, for subscribing. So I mentioned on Sunday's podcast that we have probably spent less time talking about Michigan State this season than in any other season we've ever done this. I have a theory uh, that I think explains why. The reason, I think, is because we tend to talk about big brands that are great or big brands that are disasters or ranked teams or surprisingly good teams or camel fighting. And Michigan State... Michigan State has been none of that for most of the season, been unranked since December 5th. So the Spartans haven't really been great enough to demand attention, but also not bad enough to demand attention. They're just sort of operating off the national radar. But it is worth noting that Michigan State um, won its seventh straight game Tuesday night, 69-65 at Wisconsin. So the Spartans are now 12-4 and overall, 4-1 and in the Big Ten, tied with Purdue atop the Big Ten standings. Deadleg, give me your evaluation of Michigan State through 16 games? Uh, the fan base doesn't want Tom Izzo fired. That's good. It's a good place to start. <laughs> it's a healthy place, to, healthy place to start. Yeah, Michigan State has not lost since uh, December 4th. It, pl- it had a, a loss to Northwestern. At that point, it was 5-4. and four, You know, kind of heading, you know, heading toward uh, no man's land in terms of relevancy, but been able to turn it around here. And then the win at Wisconsin is what is going to potentially get Michigan State back into the rankings. Sparty has to play Friday at Illinois. Get a win there to get to 13-4. and four. MSU will be ranked when the polls refresh next week. We'll see if, they, if it can do that. It's also, when you look at its profile, not just in terms of NCAA tournament stuff, although that to an extent as well, but also the team itself, there's not a ton there like it doesn't rank top 35 on either end of the floor there's not a star and i think this is what Izzo was expecting to be honest it has good players but no one on this team is averaging north of 14 a night it does have four scores and double figures tyson walkers at just shy of 14 a game same with joey hauser and then aj hogard who has been quite good to be honest as a lead guard for this team uh he's at what, 6.5 assists per game, and then Malik Hall at 10.9. Those are the guys in, in double figures. And against Wisconsin, to win the way that they were able to win, really good from the foul line, 16 of 17 from the foul line overall, shot well from three-point range. Hauser went for 20. Um, Hogard had another really good game distributing. They've got they've got just a, like a solid team. And Wisconsin did not have Tyler Wall. So if he's available in this game, maybe Sparty doesn't get it. But he wasn't, and so MSU did wind up getting uh, getting done uh, because because Wisconsin was shorthanded. It was a very good competitive game. It just so happened that this was happening alongside uh, a couple of other really good, interesting games there. So it got a little bit lost in the mix. But yeah, when we look up in the greater hierarchy of the Big Ten right now, Michigan State maybe somewhat quietly again. It's Illinois, and then. I host Purdue, host Rutgers at Indiana. It's it's there's a lot coming. There's probably gonna be some some losses that get added here. But Michigan State can be in that mix. If we're gonna put Purdue on its own tier right now, which I think we should, I think that's entirely fair. Um, Michigan State could be in that mix with Rutgers, Wisconsin, Ohio State, Illinois. Iowa's getting better. There's a lot to still be figured out with this league. And the conference actually ranks second overall. Uh, in net, in Ken Palm. So it is a good league, but the the pieces are still jumbled. Like if you were to ask us to tear out the conference at this point, I actually don't, weird as it is, Parrish, January 11th, 
it's hard to do that other than to say Purdue is on its own tier at the top. Minnesota is clearly on its own tier at the bottom, maybe just above Minnesota. You could say, I want to put Nebraska there. Illinois did walk into pinnacle on Tuesday night. What else is new? But aside from that, even like a team like Northwestern, Northwestern's thir- three and one in the league, 12 and three overall. And it could be in that second or third tier eventually. So the big 10 is still providing a lot of mystery. I like that. I'm on record saying that plenty of times before. I like not really having a true sense of what a, a league is when we get to this time of year because I want to see the games. I want to see how the teams respond. I want to see how things shake out. Michigan State could be anywhere from the second best team to I think right now the floor is probably the floor. I think the floor is probably six in this league for this team. Um, I don't know if they'll have an alpha absolutely emerge, but is this getting it done with a bunch of just quality players and to no surprise, they're uh, they're pretty damn good again, and finally riding uh, their longest win streak in quite some time. To your point about Purdue being on a tier by itself, Kim Palm currently projects the Boilermakers to win the league by three games. That's a lot for a league like this. So it does appear, at least from that perspective, Purdue is in a tier by itself. And after that, yeah, th- throw Michigan State and three or four other teams in there, and we'll see how it shakes out. But obviously – the Spartans are trending in the right direction. They've got, it's funny to look at their big wins. It's Kentucky, Villanova, Michigan, Wisconsin. It's just like, I know I looked, yeah, I saw that big names, like nice programs that are not having great seasons. I know Wisconsin sort of was, was perfectly fine until wall got sidelined and, you know, know, ask Creighton how that goes when you lose a, a key player like that. So, but Oregon down relative to expectations, Michigan down relative expectations. And then, you know, Villanova, by the way, just lost to DePaul. Yeah, but shouts to DePaul. First time since 08. So good on DePaul. Villanova, I said it on Sunday, GP. It's not going to the tournament. And it's going to be, it is weird. Like when you really look at a lot of the bigger brands, bigger schools, bigger programs, right? They're just having down years or weirdly. North Carolina, uh, Duke. Kentucky, like a lot of these teams. Um, And Nova's just not going to, it's just not going to the tournament there. But in all seriousness, credit to DePaul. Home win. Got it. It, it, Since 08, my man. 08, going that long without getting one. They finally peel it off. So I'm glad you brought that up because they did. DePaul, we like to to poke fun at DePaul in in a loving way, but they deserve genuine shouts for getting the 18 years, man. 18 years. 18 years. Yeah. I don't even know but, if you're um, allowed to say that anymore. Yeah, exactly. Uh, DePaul's win was uh, the I first I think I just time. canceled myself. You did. Uh, you I apolo- I, let me go ahead and apologize. <laughs> I want to go ahead and apologize. I didn't mean to quote that. It just Anytime I hear 18 years together, that I immediately yeah. go, that's what pops into my head and millions of others. That's that's correct. It was a 22-game winning streak Villanova owned over DePaul that finally got snapped January 3rd of 08 was the last time um, the Blue Demons got it done. So credit to them. Uh, we somehow made the flawless uh, back and forth from Michigan State and the Big Ten to DePaul Blue Demons basketball. <laughs> well, I, I do think it, I can I can circle this back to Michigan State. So you, we, we uh, devolve perhaps into a conversation <laughs> about these big programs struggling. Guess, guess who's not really? Michigan State. They are about what we thought they were going to be. And they are on track to make the NCAA tournament for the 25th consecutive year. I hope. Oh, man. 
That's just amazing. And Kansas is even longer, but 25 straight years. Uh, Yeah. Are you about to say, I hope MSU fans realize how good they have it right now? Yeah. Just don't ever take that for granted. I mean, like, they're Duke just missed the NCAA tournament two years ago. Kentucky probably, or at least possibly, about to miss it for the second time in a three year span. Basically, the only things you can rely on over decades is Tom Izzo, whoever's coaching Kansas. And Gonzaga. Yeah. That's it. Right now, Kansas on track to make it for the 33rd straight season, which is incredible. But Kansas is one of the best programs in the sport and have literally been coached by nothing but Naismith Memorial Hall of Famers. (laughs) It's with Larry Brown, Roy Williams, Bill Self, and here we are. It's outrageous the the, the way that program has been operating. And then Gonzaga is about to make it for the 24th straight season. And they're coached by a future Naismith Memorial Hall of Famer. And that's it. Everybody else has these bad years sometimes, but not Michigan State. And like, you know, I don't mean to like, don't just like life ain't always going to be like that. So enjoy it while it is. I agree. By the way, you you, you can apply that advice to anybody in any any walk of life. There you go. I agree. Let's do a tour of uh, Tuesday night. It was busy. You were in studio for CBS Sports Network. Um, let me let me tee you up here. A C- couple quick scores. Virginia beats North Carolina 65-58. It's the eighth straight win at home for Virginia against UNC. UNC is now enduring its longest road winning streak against a single opponent in the history of its program. Kansas State got a good push from Oklahoma State. Won 65-57 to move to 15-1. and Auburn. I said on HQ earlier in the day, I actually wanted to see Auburn kind of go in and just have a no-nonsense win, and it, it got it. Not exactly headline-making. Don't know if we need to talk too much about that, but at least they didn't they didn't blow it against an inferior team there. Illinois walked into Pinnacle Bank. Iowa State destroyed Texas Tech, which similar Ooh. to Villanova is not going to the tournament this year. Florida actually thought got an important win on the road. Don't know if Florida's going to build up an NCAA tournament resume or not, but LSU started uh, hot this season and now has kind of stumbled as of late, and I thought that was a, a key win for the Gators on the road there you had on uh on cbs sports network san diego state taking care of nevada late gp was in studio to watch that and then kansas winning the way it did against oklahoma winning by four down by you know seven eight points as as the second half really closed out but didn't seem to matter how many times have we seen it where there's a team threatening in that building and lo and behold the, the team threatening is not walking out with the win in Oklahoma, by the way, and I will send it back right over to here. It's, it's 10 and six and Oklahoma has dealt with a one point loss to Sam Houston state, a four point loss at Villanova played Arkansas competitively on a neutral court lost by one at home to Texas lost by three at home to Iowa state lost by four in a game. It probably should have won against Kansas. Oklahoma is still top 30 at Ken Palm. It didn't make the tournament last year. I believe if memory serves right, I believe Oklahoma was the top-rated team in predictive metrics to not get into the NCAAs, and here we are again. Porter Moser's doing a pretty good job. These are the kind, you got to try and steal these wins, though. Like it, the losses are just piling up and piling up. This team doesn't have a win over an NCAA tournament team. It needed that desperately there for Kansas to come back, get the win the way it did. I wasn't surprised, but I, I, I tell you, GP, I was. I was about ready to believe that that they were going to pull that off and and Kansas was going to was going to take its second L of the season, but it did not happen. Whether that game or any other, what was uh, what was the biggest result or at least most notable that you want to talk about from Tuesday night? Well, Iowa State just smashing Texas Tech, I, I thought was notable, and because Texas Tech they beat nobody. 
they're done. Yeah, they're done. Yeah, they're not. They're not. They're not going to the tournament. GP. I have zero belief this team can turn it around and get enough wins in league play to get a not that large bit. They don't have a quad one win. They don't have a quad two win. They haven't beaten a top one forty Kenpom team. Like something's not right there. That that seems pretty clear. So that was notable. Kansas State, after having an amazing week, comes back home, and like they they had to fight to 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 get out of that, um, and and they did it. And like Jerome Tang has got that thing really operating at a high level right now. Uh, the Octagon of Doom looked terrific, and so those were all you know notable. You know that those were two notable results in the Big Twelve, and. Can, can, I, can, I just, can I ask you something about Kansas State? Because I think mm. I'm going to put us, uh, I think I'm going to have this in a capsule of my power rankings on Thursday. W- would you buy the argument right now that Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson are both all Americans, meaning the two of the 15 best, most important players in the country right now? Because when you really look at what Kansas State at 15 won, what it's been able to do, and it's got, in so many ways, this is such a great story. We've talked about Tang on a couple recent pods. We've talked about Kansas State, but I just want to focus in specifically on these two guys. They're the only guys that shoot well from three. Both are at about 40% overall. They're combining to score, what, better than 36 a night. Uh, Keontae Johnson uh, is, is liable to, to get you. Uh, double. He's the most improved player in the country. If you are the comeback player of the year, right? If you want to, uh, if you want to include it like that, he can uh, potentially get you a double double, averaging close to what eight rebounds, and is dishing plenty of assists per game. Marquise Noel, from an assist rate standpoint, is second in the country. So I, it dawned on me last night. I don't know if you've even thought about this, but I think you really can make the case. I don't know if either of them is at a first team All American level right now, but I'd I'd buy. Keontae second team, Marquise Noel a third team All American as we approach the halfway point. Would you buy or, that too, or flip it? You could flip it. Yeah, yeah you could flip it. Yeah. But yes, my my answer is yes. I think you can argue right now the best duo in college basketball. I said like, that on history this morning, they okay. are, they really have become the best one too, which is just something no one could have possibly seen coming. Yeah, and keep in mind this stuff is all fluid. Like we may look up on on February 11th and look and go, hey, you know, Kansas State lost four or five, and Keontae Johnson is not shooting it well anymore, and who knows? But comeback player of the year, forget about it. Like we we were operating under the impression at one point in time he'll never play college basketball again, may never play basketball again, period. And now he looks like he could win Big 12 Player of the Year. Jalen Wilson will have something to say about that. His teammate Marquise Noel will have something to say about that. But it is a phenomenal story what's happening at Kansas State right now. I could make the case the best story in college basketball. So what happened there? Great. What happened at Iowa State? Great. They're, they're, you know Both those schools keep pace with Kansas atop the Big 12 standings. And what happened at Kansas was surprising on one hand, but also like, what are you surprised about Kansas overcoming a deficit to win inside Allen Fieldhouse? They've been down in their past two home games, double digits in the second half, 15 points to Oklahoma State, um, uh, 10 points to Oklahoma. And with Oklahoma, they were down like 10 with less than six to play. And they Closed on an eighteen to four run <laughs> to win the game. That's what it was. Yeah, man. Eighteen to four run to win the game. I mean, imagine your 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 Porter Mose. You're like, we had these guys beat for thirty five <laughs> minutes in their own building, like really controlled them for thirty five minutes. And I don't know if you saw the quote from Jalen Wilson. He was like, "Yeah, we always know we're going to win these games." <laughs> but like, and and I'm like, well. I wouldn't keep pushing it, but but he's not wrong. <laughs> but he's not wrong. And at this point, he's not wrong. And now Bill Self is three hundred one and sixteen all time at Allen Fieldhouse. He is he has as many Big Twelve regular season titles as he does losses in Allen Fieldhouse in his career. 
301. Say that again so people listening that might have been blanking out. That Say that again so people can really catch that stat, please. Bill Self's record inside Allen Fieldhouse as KU's coach is 301 and 16. He has 16 losses his entire career at Kansas at home. And he has 16 Big 12 regular season championships. This dude is just as likely to win a conference championship in the toughest conference in America as he is to just lose a random game or any game inside his home arena. That I don't know what else I'd put on such a list of my top five to 10 most outrageous stats in all of American sports that is on it. That, that is almost incomprehensible what you just said. And then you look at, and then, and, and you look at this, Kansas obvious national championship contender after winning it last season. And the, the team's basically new. Stewan Harris and Jalen Wilson and either new players or a bunch of guys they didn't really rely on last season, like K.J. Adams. Go look at K.J. Adams' game logs from last season. It's just nothing. And he just scores 22 last night. I mean, this is that Kansas program, man. Like, Bill does it. He does it better than anybody else at, at this point. I'm not saying nobody's ever done it as well, although I, I, could, put a, I could put an argument together. But... You, you you look at, you know, the, he has not done, he's gotten five-star guys, obviously, but his championships, is just, it's not just overwhelming five-star talent. And, you know, when Billy Donovan won back-to-back titles at Florida, it was the same team for the most part, same starting lineup for two straight years. You win it all. It, it, it'd be like if Bill Self won it all with Christian Brown and Ochai Abaji and David McCormack, and then everybody came back, and then they won it all again. That's amazing, but this is more amazing. You lose four of your top five scores from a title team, and the next year you look like a title team again. So those three things that happened in the Big 12 Tuesday night were all notable for for obvious reasons, and it looks like that that Big 12 race um, is going to be a lot of fun you know, unless Kansas, of course, just pulls away with it. New CBS Monday. NCIS. Here's where we can see them. NCIS and NCIS Hawaii return with all new cases. Double tap to the chest, one to the head. These guys are professionals. All new criminals. Finally, not like they got here. Walk to paradise. And all new crimes to be solved. If you're watching these, I've been arrested. What are the charges? Just one. Murder. New NCIS and NCIS Hawaii, Monday, starting at 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. The hit Paramount Plus original docuseries returns. The last time I saw Max, he looked at us laughing, and then everything changed in a blink of an eye. My feeling as a detective is that... He was murdered. Yahoo Entertainment calls it a spine-chilling docuseries showcasing real-life tragedies. What if it was your child who went missing? We need to know the truth. Never seen again. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Yeah, a couple things. One, uh, what we talked about on the Sunday pod is in the Wednesday edition of the Court Report. I did note the five preseason picks of the six big leagues to win the league. They're all slumping majorly, so that is detailed. Uh, big assist there from GP, so thanks for that nugget. That's included with all of uh, with all of that um, two uh, uh, CBS sports college basketball Twitter account posted a poll um, when Georgia uh, not a did Georgia. I picked Georgia to cover the spread. Did that happen? Did Georgia cover that spread? Not a, that was a <laughs> yes, <they did. laughs> Oh my God. Can I get a, can I get a top 
uh, final four and one record refreshed, by the way. You got oh, that handy, Donna? No. You're one game up on GP now. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That was the, that was of all the days I've spent as a horn frog, that was the worst. You're done. The horn frog is extinct. I think he I killed that too. I can't say I'm done, but I can't say that was not a good night to be a horn frog. Yeah, I, I've had know. better nights as a horn frog. I didn't even watch the second half. Yeah, I was, I was, I, I was, was mostly like, tuned. I was mostly tuned out, but then I did randomly look up. It was one of those things where I, I was like just doing other stuff and and whatever. But I did look up and I double taked and I was like, "Is that Chris Ogden in the box <laughs> of Bob Iger, who's like one of the most powerful people in all of media?" Um, so I sent out the video and, uh, it was indeed, it was indeed him. I, I Which surprises me in no way whatsoever that, that Chris Ogden would be in that situation. <laughs> like I, 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 I'm not going to start telling stories on the podcast without permission, but Augie's got some great stories uh, with he some does. great, with some great people. He, he does. And he happened to be, uh, he, he knows, he knows the Iger family and, uh, was also in that area to recruit. Anyway, the point is this. Uh, Georgia wins back-to-back national titles in college football. Kansas right now, arguably the best, arguably the best team in, in college basketball. Um, so the polls put out, how likely do you think it is that Kansas can match what Georgia has done this year? So the four options were, there's a good chance, somewhat likely, it's a real long shot or zero chance. It's a real long shot one with 37% of the vote. Somewhat likely also came in with 31.3% of the vote. Let us answer this question before I wanted to hit on UNC Virginia real quick too. But to wrap up the Kansas stuff, good chance they repeat. Somewhat likely they repeat. It's a real long shot they repeat. Zero chance they repeat. I would say it is somewhat likely. I can't say there's a good chance. Somewhat likely is even, gee, somewhat likely to me even equates to like 20 to 25%, which is, that's actually crazy high for any team to go into a tournament with that good. But I would say somewhat likely given how good they've been and the coach they have there and all that well, of those four good chance somewhat likely real long shot zero chance what do you say gp well i think we got to agree on a definition first because to me something is either likely or it's unlikely all right and, and it, it's it, unlikely if you make me pick one or the other it's unlikely right because like somewhat likely to me still means like it's likely to happen or maybe it's uh, to your point like it is not likely for anybody to win this national championship all right is that likely for houston it's not likely that Purdue's going to win it. It's not likely that Houston's going to win it. It's not likely that Kansas is going to win it or UConn or anybody else. So take the field. So by definition, it is unlikely that Kansas will win back-to-back national titles. But Kansas has more or less as good a chance as just about anybody to win the national title. It's just not a good chance because nobody has a good chance. That's the nature of a 68-team single elimination tournament, if that makes sense. It does. It does. That that football game got so wild. I d- I was like going to try to make a night of it. I was like, you know what? I'm going to get out of my hotel and I go sit in a bar um, around other humans and settle in and watch this game. And I sat there, and at halftime, I said, "All right, I've had enough of this. This is this is no day to be a horn frog." And so I came back to my hotel and I streamed the Grizzlies, of course, but also five ga- five guys a week. I watched five guys a week. It's a lifetime dating show. Okay. How about this? Our makeup artist, our makeup artist, Vanetta, the legend Vanetta. She was the woman 
in the 20th episode of five guys a week. She invited five, they invite five guys into her home and then she has to eliminate one of them every night until she's down to one. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to watch Vanetta tonight. I promised her I would. I just found out about this last week. I promised her I'd watch it before I came back. And so I said, you know what? Instead of watching the stupid, that's how bad the football game went. I went from the football game to the lifetime app. I think she picked the right guy. All right. She picked the guy I would have picked. If I were picking guys on a dating show. (laughs) And I might someday. Sounds like a wild, wild Monday night. It memorable. Was, it was memorable. You got, it, you got into it. You pulled up the Lifetime app on your iPad. Well, that's a that's a that's an indictment of college football. It is, and it's, at least that game. At least that game. Georgia was able to win back to back titles. Don't expect Kansas to do it, but would be on the, the the short list of the three or four most likely teams. Real quick, one other one from Tuesday night. Virginia, as I mentioned uh, a little bit back, it beats North Carolina, sixty five fifty eight. Now, Armando Baycott went out with an ankle injury. In like the first two minutes of this game did not return. So Carolina wasn't at full strength. Actually gave it a pretty competitive go of it. Virginia just wound up squeezing it out as it does so often in that building. But uh, two things. One, things should, and I know we opened this pod talking about Kentucky and what should happen, so keep that in mind. Things should turn for the better for UNC here. It's 11-6, and six, unranked, 3-3 three and three in the ACC. Things haven't gone well has one win over an NCAA tournament team to this point, and that's against Ohio State in the CBS Sports Classic with the crazy shot to send it to overtime. In some ways, you can even say they might have gotten a little lucky in getting the win, whatever. They have the win, but that's the only one uh, of real note. Although I will note they beat Charleston, and that's literally Charleston's only loss, and there's a awesome, awesome mid-major Charleston-UNCW game happening on Wednesday night. We'll preview this late in just a second. But they play at Louisville, Carolina does, home to BC, home to NC State, at lowly Syracuse, home to Pitt. And obviously, Carolina lost to Pitt to close out 2022. There is a chance that UNC could go from 11-6 to call it 14-15-7 and seven and kind of turn around. They play at Duke on February 4th, so just keep that in mind. But here's what I want to ask you. Hmm. I had a lot of people coping, a lot of people in their feelings when I tweeted last night. Tony Bennett's going to have the best team in the ACC again. A lot of folks not comfortable with that statement whatsoever, uh, in part because they did win at home somewhat narrowly against a shorthanded North Carolina team. It doesn't feel like an outrageous statement, but I had folks in the mentions, man. They they were not. They they some think this is straight up outlandish. I I thought it was actually a fairly benign thing. I almost didn't tweet it. Clemson's still undefeated. But when you look around the ACC, uh, Duke, Carolina, Clemson, Miami, I, I've put Miami as, as potentially a team that uh, that could be the best, maybe, right? But I don't know. It just it kind of seems like it's going to be Virginia. But if you want to refute me, I'm here to I'm here to to hear the counter argument. But I, I was surprised by the by the pushback I received from in, in this moment. I had Miami ranked 15th in the top 25 and one, and Virginia ranked 16th in the top 25 and one. The only other ACC school I have is Duke, down at 24. So I guess if I wanted to argue with you, I could argue in favor of Miami. But I certainly it's not the type of thing I'd want to argue about. It, 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 I think you could make a reasonable case right now that. 
it'll be Miami or Virginia or maybe Duke, you know, that that freshman talent pops and they, you know, it's not crazy to imagine Duke winning the ACC title, but there's nothing nothing outlandish or even slightly controversial about saying Tony Bennett's going to ha- has the best team in the ACC or will have the best team in the ACC or will be an ACC winner. Maybe this isn't like Tony's best team. And it certainly isn't. Doesn't look like, like that to me, but that doesn't mean it won't be good. It's not a good enough team to win the ACC. I don't think you got to be a great team to win the ACC this season. Uh, I agree. ACC is the ACC sixth in conference strength right now. I think it is. Let me check that real quick. I think it's six. It is, man. The ACC. You grew up on the Metro. Yep. Raised I up. grew up on the old Big East and the ACC. The idea that this team is six best in the this league is six best. And it's like comfortably six best. It's not going to catch the Pac-12. Um, something we'll probably circle back to later this season. Yeah, I, I actually really like Miami's potential. And I mentioned about three weeks ago that Miami could arguably be considered the favorite in the ACC. And that's when you, you said, hey, 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 hold on here. Really going to put them against ahead of Virginia? I said, no, fair point, valid point. Uh, and the metrics wise, there's a 30 spot difference between both those, t- both those two right now in predictive metrics. So just keep that in mind. Uh, I would love to see Carolina get its act together. Duke to frankly be a bit more interesting and, and dominant than it's been. Cause it's, I want to see what they can do. I, I don't care if Duke finishes first or ninth, they're going to be interesting either way, but Duke finishing fifth in John Chires first year just isn't that all that interesting in the ACC. I like plot twists, so I'm certainly up for that. But to me, it just even though Virginia's already lost two games in the league, so right now in the standings, Clemson five and zero, Miami and Pitt. Hello, Pitt. What is Pitt? Both four and one. I get that they're behind right now, but from an objective metric standpoint, Virginia still rates comfortably as the best team in the conference. You got the schedule in front of you for Wednesday, Parish, because it it like Tuesday was good. We got a slate, Hump Day slate. You check this thing out. Of course, I've checked it out. There's, I'm, I'm gonna be. I, I will not. I actually will not have enough screens for seven o'clock. There's too many games. I won't have enough screens to pull this off. I got enough screens. I know you do. I got so many screens. Wednesday night is loaded. We get Alabama at Arkansas, Creighton at Xavier, also seven. Ch- Charleston at UNC Wilmington, give it seven. Pitt at Duke. Uh, what time is the Pitt game? Missouri at Missouri at Texas A&M, TCU at Texas, and on CBS Sports Network, UConn at Marquette in what is arguably the game of the night. UConn Marquette is the game of the night. So just as a reminder, if you're listening here prepping, here are the 7 o'clock games. UConn Marquette, the best one, CBS Sports Network, Parison Studio. You have an inside college basketball at 630 or no? Yes, we do. Okay. Get we to do. a TV at 6.30. Inside college basketball. Who's going to join you in the studio? I'm going to guess this is a Wednesday. Feels like a, feels like a Zook night. I think it's Adam Zucker. I know it's Renee Montgomery. And I believe it's Roy Hibbert. That is a crew. Renee dude, Montgomery is I, tremendous. How, dude, I, I covered Roy Hibbert in the Final Four, and now I sit with him. And, like, you know what? Genuinely the nicest guy in the world. Couldn't find a more pleasant guy. Might that need is, a photo. Might need a side by side. Me and Roy. Yeah. Um, it's <laughs> like it, it's it's we've been this one of the things we've been lucky about at CBS Sports, with very few exceptions. The former NBA All Stars and college stars we brought in have all just been awesome people. Like they really fit in well from the start. And Roy is 
is right there at the at the top of that. Like you couldn't meet uh, a, just a, a a nice dude, just a really really sweetheart of a person. I love working with him already. That's wonderful. I'm going to reset this seven o'clock slate for you again because there was even a few more games GP didn't mention because it just doesn't have ranked teams. Uh, so UConn Marquette, that's that's the main screen. CBS Sports Network seven o'clock. Be there. Alabama Arkansas seven o'clock. ESPN two. Creighton Xavier. Creighton just trying to salvage an at-large resume and needs a win at Xavier. That's seven o'clock Fox sports one Baylor at West Virginia. Baylor has not won a big 12 game yet. It's on the road against West Virginia. That, that's this is a big 12 ESPN plus deal. That's a, that's a streamer game. Indiana, which is, <laughs> did you see the thing? The, like the Facebook post and then the players in the comments. You saw that they're going I, after the Indiana fans. I, and the, no, like, like five players like commenting on this thing. I haven't it? seen it, but I love it. Tell me more. Let me bring it up here. Hold on, I'm going to bring it up. Um, <laughs> I just assumed the internet was still out in Indiana. And they, it's not. Know. That's the whole point. That's it's, weird. I don't wonder. I wonder how these young people got access to the internet. They must. It's they must, not out. That's the point. So I here's, wonder if they're using. They probably using their personal hotspots or something. Okay, so. Um, the Barstool Indiana uh, Instagram <laughs> account, I guess this is, uh, just gives, there's like a meme where it's a triangle with a team logo in the middle. It says, I get my hopes up. I get disappointed. I start to believe again. I get my hopes up. I, so it's just, you know, the, the cycle of hell for a fan. Um, so the, the caption on it says, make it make sense. This season sucks. That's the, that's the account that posted this. Xavier Johnson comments, here y'all go. It's middle finger y'all again then too. <laughs> With a with with the heart hand emoji, Miller Cop, bunch of pencil neck clowns on this app. Look <laughs> us in the eyes, and you'd be quiet as can be. I guarantee that. We got more. Uh, Race Thompson with just a uh, a flat face, no no uh, no smile emoji whatsoever. And then Anthony Leal uh, just says, "Keep that same energy." Um, it's. Not a good scene at Indiana right now. Uh, they got to and they got to go play a good Penn State team. This is another seven o'clock Big Ten Network game at Penn State. Penn State is favored to win. IU, yet another preseason pick to finish top its league that has failed to live up to expectations. That's a seven o'clock game. Memphis plays at UCF. ESPN Plus seven o'clock game. Kind of a that's two top forty teams. That's that's a sneaky one to keep an eye if on. The, there. If the AAC is going to be a two bid league. The second of those two is probably going to be one of these teams. Memphis or UCF. Bingo. Exactly. So that's another one to keep an eye on. Virginia Tech plays at Syracuse, which isn't really all that appealing other than that Virginia Tech's lost four in a row. And at one point it was an 11-1 team. And now it's at large cases just evaporating. Kind of needs to win that one on the road. Pittsburgh plays at Duke. Keep an eye on that. Charleston at Wilmington. These teams have combined to win 28 straight games. This is such an awesome, awesome, awesome mid-major game. The CAA highlight game. Charleston's going to try and push to be a two or three loss team by the end of the season. If it beats Wilmington on the road, then we can have a serious conversation if Pat, uh, if Pat Kelsey, one, is on the short list, which he should be, especially with the win here for National Coach of the Year, and two, if Charleston can actually build itself a viable at-large resume. So that's really the 7 o'clock slate of most note there. Just good stuff kind of across the board. And then GP mentioned the other stuff. I'll, I'll also say on CBS Sports Network at 9 o'clock, Western Kentucky plays at UAB. UAB is... You know, a team in Conference USA that was projected to win the league. Florida Atlantic plays tonight. It's 14 and one. Probably should be ranked. I've got Florida, Florida Atlantic ranked. Hell yeah. Good on you. Cause I, I wrote in today's court report if FAU wins at FIU tonight, I'm putting them in the power rankings. They're going to absolutely deserve it at this point. CUSA between Florida Atlantic, North Texas, 
and UAB, it's got a really strong top and CSO is a, is a top 10 league. So listen, college football is now behind us. We've got a few days before the NFL playoffs really get rolling here. And we have an, I mean, this is just a slammed, slammed Wednesday night. So in addition to, if you love the pod, we of course love you for that, but do check out GP on CBS sports network. He'll be in studio all night. Uh, I would imagine if things get noisy enough, I might be on HQ later tonight or tomorrow morning. And then Thursday, you've got Gonzaga at BYU. Just just intriguing enough to get my attention. Zag should win, but BYU, uh, that's, that's a spot it's, it's, it's got to have there. Michigan plays at Iowa, 7 o'clock on Thursday. Arizona State plays at Oregon. How, you know, how good is the Pac-12 going to be at the top? Keep an eye on that. And then Utah, I, I bring this one up last because... Parish will have no ability to watch it. I intend on watching it. 11 o'clock, Pac-12 Network. That nice, doesn't exist. Utah, which I think Utah was in Palm's bracket that got released this week. Just, you know, we get into mid-January. There's always just a couple of teams where you're like, I didn't even realize they were tournament worthy. 12-5 and five, Utah, just lost at home to Oregon. If it wants to maintain that large profile in the moment, it's got to do the borderline impossible. Walk into Poly Pavilion and go take out Mick Cronin and his Bruins 14 and two haven't lost since before Thanksgiving. I wouldn't expect that, but it is an intriguing PAC 12 network game Thursday night at 11 Eastern. So Thursday's just okay. Uh, I cannot wait for this Wednesday night slate to start. There's going to be um, no shortage of takeaways. I'm sure from us. And when we get going on the Friday show, have fun watching that game on your fridge. I will. I saw the photo by the way. I, told you was real. I saw the, the Ion college basketball podcast twitter account which you if you're not following already please do so retweeted the photo that is just <laughs> what an image <laughs> how much a fridge like that cost running by the way you get, you get packed that. network that come on man that's got to be like a seven thousand well, dollar refrigerator well maybe that's my next move maybe that's my next move i mean we've got a relatively new fridge but you know? you've, got like three, you've got three fridges. Did you or did you not order a fridge? It didn't come. You ordered another one. Then they gave you another one for free, and then you didn't send it back. That's the true story. Yes. Uh, except, like, there's one other step. They they sent, they delivered one. It was messed up, so we sent it back. They've delivered another one. It was fine. We're good. Then they delivered another one. I called them and said, hey, you guys already brought me one of these. Uh, you should come pick this one back up. They came and picked it back up and then came and brought me another one. <laughs> And at that point, I'm like, you know what? This isn't on me anymore. I'm not gonna. I'm not. I'm not gonna keep calling you to tell you to come pick up your refrigerator. You can't be stealing if they bring it to you. <laughs> they did it twice. I tried to give it back the first time. Then they brought me another one. I'm like, I'm not calling and waiting on, on the hold at wherever it was, Lowe's or Home Depot, whatever it was. So yes, we. But my wife did at some point over the past year. She got rid of one of the fridges in the. We had one in our kitchen, one upstairs, and two in the garage. And she got one, rid of the one in the one of the ones in the garage. Wow, you're down to three. I didn't realize. Yeah. I didn't it's realize you've been roughing it like this. So that's, no, that's, it's been it's been a hard it's been a hard year. <laughs> it's it's been a hard year. We're down to three. That's We're down to three fridges. But like, would you rather have three fridges or one that gets you Pat Twelve Network? Oh man, this this is something we're gonna have to talk about when I get home. Yeah, that's that's. That's one of those things where it's like you sit down. It's like when you're planning a family vacation. Like we need a we need a solid couple hours here. We got to plan this out. This that's serious business there. Yeah. All right, sure. sweet sweet pea. I know we have uh, we have new fridges and nice fridges, but I've been struggling with this Pac-12 Network thing for years. I'm now come to learn that you can watch Pac-12 Network on a fridge. 
if you get the right kind of fridge. So maybe we should invest in a new fridge with the Pac-12 network. And then, and then I would just every like late at night, I just sit in my kitchen floor, watch, <laughs> watch Pac-12 basketball. I just sit just, in my kitchen floor and watch, watch. You're sitting crisscross applesauce right there in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, yes. tilt it up like my son watching, watching one of his cartoons in the morning. Just, yeah. I'm just, lo- just locked in on a Utah Washington state game. <sighs> Before we get out of here, if you're watching live, people are like, this can't be not. I'm dropping this in the private chat. See if you can put this on the on the screen before we bounce out of here, because this is just this photo that the Twitter account tweeted out was just uh, uh, <laughs> crazy. Quite the um, quite the deal there overall. Um, I think that's pretty much all I got here before we get out. Not as going to bring so you mentioned Stanford at Washington. That's the hot seat not. game of the night. Hot seat game of the night Ooh, on Thursday. That is a good Stan- that is- Stanford. At Washington, so yeah. Now there it is. is. If you're watching on YouTube, hey, YouTube. this is a refrigerator. This hey. is uh, hey YouTube, got here. Washington State. I don't even know who the opponent is. Look at this. It looks like a nice fridge. It does. What a look. What a look. Also, I want to. Uh, I want to send genuine condolences. I saw this early in the chat. You were talking about. Look at that. Look at. Look at the size of that screen. It's a nice screen. Amazing. Looks like a, well, here we go. Samsung. Samsung. There it is. Um, I want to send condolences to Eric in the chat. You were talking about Calipari and, you know, you ever know a couple that they just can't seem to to call it off. Uh, Eric, better days ahead. He, he, He broke the news in the chat. He recently ended it with his fiance, or maybe she ended it with him. But, uh, that's not an easy thing. So thank you for occupying some of your time, Eric, in the in the Ion College Basketball YouTube chat stream. We appreciate you. And you know what? You're going to be all right. You'll be all right. Be, it might not yeah. feel like it every day, but eventually you'll be. My experience with friends who have gone through similar things is that they you always feel like, like three engagements. You've been all right. I, I, I was never engaged until I was until I was engaged to my wife. And you got engaged at like 17, by the way. So That's not true. None of that's true. I, I never got engaged. I, 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 I did have a lengthy, lengthy, she wasn't lengthy. She was like a little shorter than me. I had a, an extended relationship with um, my like high school, college girlfriend, but we were never engaged. Then she left me for another guy named Gary. <laughs> you, tell, you, share, you share that on the pod. <laughs> There's some Gary's out there, and she found another one. Was like, I gotta upgrade my Gary's. What are the like? Really? She 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 upgraded. I think she probably did upgrade. If we're te- if we're telling the truth, but he's and he's a quiet fella. He we actually grew up together, and uh, he's a quiet. She I think she just went. She was I think she, I, I never talked to her about it, but I think she said, you know what? I still want to be with a Gary, but one that just doesn't talk as much. And so she found them. They're still together. One that doesn't go back and listen to the podcast and just says, just shut up already. She found them. They're, 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 there's a common thread with my ex-girlfriends. The ones, like, we break up and they married the guy immediately after me. Like, I have multiple ex-girlfriends who married the guy immediately after me. So what does that say? I think it's time. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck, Larnell. Thank you guys once again for listening to the Island College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Five stars. Leave a nice review. There's more of us 
than there are of them. She's one of us. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> okay, get out. <laughs> that needs to be reflected in the comments. We're going to talk to you again on Friday. Till then, take care. This is Sandra Oreda from Attacking Third, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Golasso Network dedicated to all things women's soccer. With the NWSL expanding to 14 teams, the 2024 season promises to be bigger and better than ever, and Attacking Third will be along for the ride from start to finish. Before that, though, we'll be all over the CONCACAFW Gold Cup, where the U.S. Women's National Team is looking to clinch silverware on home soil. We'll also be keeping tabs on the Winter Transfer Window, the Women's Super League, the UEFA Women's Champions League, and elsewhere. Coming to you multiple times a week with game previews, recaps, analysis, breaking news, exclusive interviews, and more, Attacking Third is your one-stop shop for the best coverage of the women's game. Download, follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Make sure you subscribe to Attacking Third.